Well, it's good to be with you this morning. This weekend, I went up to Eastern Nazarene College for my 10-year college reunion. And yes, I'm old. Well, at least I feel that way, right? <laughs> 10 years since graduating from college. It was a fun time. Like, I enjoyed being able to catch up with some old classmates um, to kind of see how they're doing and kind of what they've been up to over the years. Um, it was a great time. And I share that because <clears throat> I love sharing about things that are going on in my life. It seems like when we get good news or exciting news, like we want to share it because it brings us joy, it brings us excitement, and it brings us happiness. <clears throat> so when we know someone is getting married or having a baby, we share that good news, right? We get excited. We want to celebrate with them. It has nothing to do with us, but nevertheless, we're still happy. We end up sharing good news, even though um, it isn't our good news, right? right? With the popularity of social media, like we become easier and easier to be able to share good news with other people. You know, back in the day, again, I say that because I'm old now. <laughs> if you had good news, you picked up the phone and you called your friends or your family. To my younger kids, it used to be attached to the wall with this little spiral cord, and you could only go so far. But you would call your friends and your family, and you would share that exciting news. You used to be able to read about people getting married in the local paper. That was way before my time. But if people got married, you would read about it in the local paper. But nowadays, you don't have to scroll too long <clears throat> on Facebook before you kind of see good news being posted by someone whether it's their friends or their families, right? Your friend gets a new job promotion. They share it on Facebook. They share it on these social platforms. Your niece gets accepted to college. We celebrate with them. Your cousin's getting married, right? We share these things that are happening in our lives because we are excited about them. Last year, around this time, we shared that we were expecting our next child, that we were expecting Lydia, and we want to share that exciting news with our friends and our family. And so we posted it. And y'all got to voice your excitement and voice your congratulations on this new life that was coming. We love sharing our news. It doesn't even have to be big news, right? Like whether it's a move or a new job or a wedding for us to share. It could be just the little things. It was a couple of summers ago that Julia decided that she was going to take on the task and start her journey of gardening. She had been putting it off for years. She's like, all right, this time I'm going to get some plants. I'm going to get some seeds. I'm going to get the, the dirt in the soil. I'm going to have my friend make me some garden boxes. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it did. It happened. She started to garden. And she loved every bit of it. Do you know how I know? Because she shared about it. She would run into the house and like, did you see how big this carrot is? Come check out how big my watermelon is. And being a good husband, you know, I walked outside and I did my oohs and I did my ahs, you know. It's like, oh yeah, this is great. They're coming along. You're doing amazing. Why did I do it? Because I knew it was exciting for her. I knew it brought her joy. It was important to her. 
And we share these things because we're excited and we want others to join in in our excitement. It's important. The levels may vary, but nevertheless, it is important. It's how we build relationship with one another. It's how we form community. However, I think there's one piece of news that we all kind of share and participate in that doesn't get shared as often as it should. As the body of believers, as followers of the way, we have news that is so life-changing and great, but it kind of seems to get stuck in these four walls. It would only get shared with like-minded people. Like, we have the good news. The gospel. The greatest news in all of humanity. But instead, we share recipes on social media, which isn't bad. We're sharing how great this movie was, or you need to check out this restaurant. And when I say we, I'm not talking about just us here, but the general church, we. But we should always be reflecting on how well we are doing this as a church. How well are we sharing the good news in our community and to the people in our own life? We have a responsibility to bring the good news. We see in Acts chapter 1 that Jesus says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This good news that we have heard, that we have participated in, that we have taken hold of has changed us completely. The same grace and truth that we have received through our relationship with Jesus should be overflowing so much that it is propelling us outward into our communities, preparing us outward these four walls. So this is a question I have for us this morning. Is the gospel propelling us outward to bring the good news of Jesus to the community and to the people around us? And if it's not, what is keeping us from doing that? So before we kind of go any further, uh, we must kind of get a clear understanding of what the gospel is. I'm not going to spend too much time here because I think most of us have a good understanding but nevertheless, a refresher is always good. So the word gospel or evangelion in the Greek means good news. This whole time I've kind of been using them interchangeably. So what is this good news that it means? In the pre-Christian Greco-Roman world, gospel was originally used as reference to victory in the battle. It was employed in two connections to designate the actual good news of victory and its consequent deliverance, and the second, to designate a reward that was given to the messengers who delivered the good news after the announcement had been verified. But it soon took on this more religious connotation. Jesus employed the Hebrew verb equivalent to convey his belief that the kingdom of God brought salvation, deliverance, and joy. Later Christian writers like Matthew and Luke employed the Greek noun in order to describe Jesus and what he did and taught to accomplish the transformation of humanity. The good news of the kingdom proclaimed by Christ became equated with the good news of Christ himself and what he accomplished through his life, death, and resurrection. And as we go through the New Testament, Paul 
he kind of focused on the, the, the life and death of Christ attached to this term. And Mark kind of confirms that the others use the word to ascribe Jesus' entire life, not just the, his message or his life or his death and resurrection. And so we see as all these gospel writers and New Testament writers, they kind of formulate this good news as the life the ministry, the teaching, the death and resurrection of Jesus is the good news. The good news that God's kingdom is here and that God has sent his son as a savior and king of of all that kingdom. And so now back to this question of, is the gospel propelling us outward? Is the good news of Christ's love and grace pushing you out to be a messenger of that love and grace in the world? And if it's not... What is stopping you? And I believe there's a, a few reasons or obstacles that kind of hinder us, the church, from sharing the good news of Christ. One of those reasons is kind of our, our gospel knowledge or articulating the gospel. Sometimes um, we just don't know what to say. We've heard of the gospel many times, whether it's through a sermon, in, our, in a Bible study, through books that we read, and just in our conversations with others. And it doesn't matter if we're new to the faith or seasoned veteran, there are many that struggle with articulating the truths of the gospel in a simple and coherent way. Because we don't know much about the gospel or the scripture, or we don't know how to communicate it in an effective way, in an effectful way, then we just don't. We don't communicate it to people outside the church. Because what if we don't have an answer for them? What if I explain it wrong? Fear causes us to share, not to share, um, which becomes our next obstacle that we have to overcome. And it was this time last year that I started to go through another similar evangelism series with our students. And I, I taught them in our different lessons that we all have a story to share about how, how Christ has come into our lives and changed us. And during those different lessons, I had our different leaders kind of share their testimony about how they came to know Christ in the simplest way that we can kind of share that gospel truth is just to share our story share our story about how God came into our life and has done amazing thing and is continuing to do amazing thing. But again, fear can be a reason why we don't do, we don't share our story, that we don't proclaim that good news. And fear basically stops us from what we could possibly really enjoy doing. I think God really enjoy or maybe be good at surfing, right? I think I have the, the surfer aesthetic, right? I let my hair down, then I have that, that beach kind of vibe to myself. And so I can see myself being a pretty good surfer, right? But I have a fear of the open water. I'm not a big fan of being out in the middle of the ocean. I'm not the strongest of swimmer. And so me being out there would be, I'd be very scared especially if I just had this surfboard underneath me. I mean, some people have fears of flying, right? And that causes them not to be able to possibly visit loved ones or be able to see the world 
because of that fear. And so the same goes with sharing our faith. Like, what will other people think of me? Will they make fun of me? Will they marginalize me? Will they openly mock me? Again, what if I don't know what to say or how to say it? I can continue to use Julia because she's not here (laughs) in my illustrations, but it was before the pandemic hit that she was substitute teaching and she loved it. She did a fantastic job at it because whenever she sets her mind to something, she does a fantastic job. But because she's doing such a great job, a lot of the teachers are like asking her, like, are you, gonna, are you trying to get your teaching license? Like, do you want to be a full-time teacher? And she's like, no, not really. I really want to be a pastor. Like I'm working to be a, a full-time pastor. And she's like, like, really? A pastor? She's like, yeah. And she told me um, later that like she secretly or in her mind was like, please still invite me to have lunch with you. (laughs) Like, please don't push me away because you know that I have a relationship with Christ. And they did it. They did it. They, They embraced her. They continued to have great conversations together. And she actually helped one of them, like, prepare to officiate a wedding. And so these fears aren't just something that our kids and our teenagers have, right? We, we don't grow out of that fear as we get older. And so the same is here. We can be kind of paralyzed by this fear sometimes because we just don't know how, if we share our faith, if we share this good news, that this person's going to react or how they're going to take it. And so it stops us. Another obstacle or struggle that I see is apathy, a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern. We lack interest or enthusiasm for lost people. And it's not something that we share out loud, right? Because that would sound really awful. Like, I have no interest in reaching these people, right? But our priorities in our life kind of suggest or reveal that. We don't make time in our schedules to engage or interact with those who may not know Christ. We don't really have many non-Christian friends or we barely have any ties to them. The lost people are kind of low on our priority list. And sometimes we think, they're not gonna change. So what's the point? If we keep thinking that way, eventually we're gonna come to this point where we just have just a total lack of compassion for the lost. We get to the point where we think that these lost people are hopeless and they will never understand. We, as the church in general, get to the point where we're just kind of okay with seeing the same people every week. That we don't care to see new faces. And these are real obstacles to overcome. We are not the only ones. The Jewish people saw it the same way. The Gentiles didn't deserve to follow God. They aren't a part of God's chosen people. If we've gotten to this point, we have lost what God's kingdom is all about and who it's for. The good news is for everyone, not just the ones we think are worth it. In Matthew 9, it says that Jesus saw the crowds and it says that he had compassion on them. 
because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Have we lost interest or enthusiasm for the lost? Lastly, I think a big obstacle, especially in, our to, um, in, today, in today's times, is that evangelism has kind of changed how it's been done from years ago. When we talk about evangelism, we think about going door to door, kind of knocking and inviting families to come to church or to come to Sunday school. My grandpa um, started a van ministry in the church that we grew up in way before I was born. And my nanny and him would drive around the neighborhood and pick up kids, invite them to come to church, to, to bring them to Sunday school. There's kind of like convincing people to Christianity. And evangelism is still bringing the good news of Christ to people into our lives, into the communities, but I think it has kind of changed. Imagine us trying to knock on people's door today and say, hey, can your kids come in our van to church? Maybe look at us kind of funny. And if they do let, us, let them come, we're like, what's wrong with you as a parent <laughs> that you let your kids come with this stranger? And so no longer, I think, is it about really convincing people about having this relationship with Jesus, at least not in the traditional way. I believe it's doing life with people and allowing our life, the way we live our life, to be a model of Jesus in their lives. It's in our words, it's in our actions that they're going to give the opportunity to speak into someone's life. Evangelism itself has more to do with building relationships with people instead of building a case for Christianity. It looks more like shoveling the neighbor's driveway or, or raking their leaves and standing on the corner shouting about salvation. And so what does this outward movement of the gospel look like in real life? And there are many different possibilities and expressions of what this mission could look like, but I really enjoy this simple rhythm of living out and inviting in. Living out the gospel means that we apply the truth of the gospel to every area of our life. We live this gospel-centered life that God has called us to, li called us to live, this holiness life. Our faith is not just something that we do on Sunday mornings. When we're here at church, it is who we are in Christ and therefore affects what we do everywhere else that we go. We don't isolate ourselves from the world. Instead, we move into the world and share God's love in any way that we can. This can look like encouraging those people around you. They can look like standing up for justice and what is right and what is good. It is sharing your story with other people and then in turn, listening to their story. Jesus took on flesh, stepped into humanity to show us what life with God is like. By living out our faith in the normal, everyday stuff, we show people what a life centered on the gospel looks like. And then we can invite them in so that they can experience it for themselves. 
Jesus welcomed anyone who was interested in learning from him and what his kingdom is all about. He regularly shared meals, conversations, and life with others. He invited them to encounter the kingdom of God with him. In that same way, we invite others to hang out with us so that we can see and so that they can see and experience the gospel in us and through us. Not simply just to get people to church and kind of boost up our Sunday attendance, but to be the church among them. At a adult Sunday school um, leader, and he would always end his time in Sunday school with go be the church, church, right? Because we know that the building isn't the church. It's the people. And so when he said, go be the church, church, he's telling us to go be the church amongst the people in our community and in our world. Because we could be the only Jesus that they will ever see Ask questions that lead to meaningful conversation. Invite people to come with you to lunch or to a party or to a church event. And then in turn, go to their parties, their cookouts, their events. Okay, they might be drinking different beverages than you would typically drink. They may be listening to different music than you're accustomed to, but that's okay. Do life with people where they're at. Be honest with your struggles, and in turn, they will be honest with theirs. If you're looking at this list of obstacles, and some of them, or maybe even all of them, are hindering from sharing this good news that we have, then maybe today is an opportunity for us to ask God for help, to lay them at his feet, and to begin to live out that gospel today. Or maybe you're looking at the list and you're saying, none of these are really hindering me. And my question is, what's stopping you? What's stopping you from sharing this good news? If it's opportunity, you can ask God for that opportunity. But be ready, because he will give you opportunity. I think for myself, I look for opportunity. I'm blessed and I'm very appreciative that I have a job being able to do life with you, do life with students that don't have to worry about a part-time job. But there's a season of life where I did. I used to deliver pizzas at Domino's and it was some of the best years of my life because I got to be amongst people who didn't want anything to do with religion or anything to do with Christianity. Um, and if they would come into a church, they think the church would fall down. But I got to do life with people. I got to build relationships with those people and they have became my people. And I think I miss those opportunities to be able to do life with those people. By the end of my time with them, I was able to um, pray for those people with them. I was able to invite them to come to services, and they came to a couple. I was able to plant seeds where if I just didn't 
and who knows what could happen. And so I think we have people that come to our heart, that come to our mind when we think about the lost, when we think about the ones who may not know Christ. Begin to pray and think about ways that we can begin to move towards those people as God has moved towards us in Christ. The more that we experience the gospel personally, the more it will propel us and push us out to share our faith publicly. I shared from Matthew 9 before where it said Jesus saw and had compassion on the crowd. And Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We are his workers. And our community is the harvest field. And so as the band comes and um, plays our closing song, it is the song that we started our service with this morning, God of this city. And it says, greater things have yet to come. Greater things are still to be done in the city. We can bring the greatest thing that the world has ever known to that city because he of his love and his grace has so filled us that it's gonna propel us out to share that good news with those people this morning. And so as the band plays, I pray that this can be your sending out into your world, into your community, to the people that you rub your shoulders with every day, and that you can have opportunities to share this amazing news with people in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that we get to gather together and be with our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as we think about this good news that we have experienced, that we have taken a hold of, that has completely changed our life, Lord, that we just get so anxious, that we just get um, so on fire for what you're doing in our life that we can't help but to share it into other people's lives, Lord. That we are able to come alongside them and to journey with them, Lord, not in a, a forceful way, Lord, but in a relational way that we get to do life with them, Lord, that we get to share our story, that we get to hear their story, Lord, that we get to just be a part of their life, Lord, and that we get to speak life into that through ours. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that if there's any obstacles, if there's any, anything that's hindering us from doing that, Lord, that we're just laid at your feet this morning, Lord. Father, all these obstacles are very real in our life, Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that with your strength that we're over, able to overcome them, Lord. And that in turn, Lord, that we're just, again, so overfilled with your love and grace that we can't help but to just share that love and grace with the people around us, Lord. Put those people in our minds right now, Lord. Place them on our hearts, Lord, that we can begin to pray for them, Lord, and to figure out ways of like how we can move forward towards them and do life with them, Father. Father, your harvest field is so plentiful, Lord. Send us your workers 
to harvest that. We ask in your son's precious and holy name. Stand with us as we sing this closing song. city you're the king of these people you're the lord of this nation you are you're the light in this darkness you're the hope to the hopeless you're the peace to the restless you are
great are you, God. Amen. So this text has been on my heart, especially over the past couple of months. And it's a text we're also familiar with. It comes from Matthew 28 and 16 to 20. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. When he saw them there, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So go, be God's hands and feet within your community. Allow what God has done so greatly in your life to propel you to go do the same, to share that good news with others in your life and in your world. I love you. You're dismissed.